0: Good evening and welcome to this week's edition of Fundamentals, an OKC UK podcast. I am your host, Thomas Snowden, the founder of OKC UK, and joining me this week, as always, Mr. Brandon Dale. How are you, Brandon? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm still going to say what I said before we started recording, and that's bar humbug. All jokes <laughs> aside, I hope all the listeners had wonderful Christmases and New Year's. Obviously, I know it's been a good two weeks or so since we last recorded, but that's completely on me. It's not been on these two. I've been thrown under at work due to COVID issues, being the only manager available and stuff. But it's nice to be back. And then joining Brandon again, as always, it's Mr. Janal. How are you, Janelle?
1: Yeah, not too bad to be honest. I think I, I think obviously I think I said to you before we came on, I think I've watched probably more games live in the last sort of week and a half than I have probably in the last month or so. Yeah, so yeah, it's been pretty good. I've had my fix of Thunder and it's been honestly pretty good to watch them.
0: Yeah, and I, I've been the complete opposite. I generally cannot remember the last time I was able to watch a game live due to work commitments. Obviously, Christmas is a busy time of year and between Christmas and New Year is also me missus and me dad-in-law's birthday as well. So it's it's a busy time. All my days off were, we're busy, so... I had to settle for watching the games the next morning, which isn't what I want to do, especially. But as I said, it's been 10 games since we last recorded, which was roughly, I think, the 16th, 17th of December. Um, out of nowhere, Thunder have won five of them. We have wins five. over the five of them, including four in a row with the Clippers, the Grizzlies, Revenge game, the Nuggets and the Pels. And then we also beat the Knicks in those 10 games. Suns beat us twice, uh, Kings beat us, just to name a couple off the top of my head, but it wasn't too bad a stretch of games, considering a few circumstances, which well, I'm sure we'll talk about over the course of this episode, from players missing in uh, COVID protocols to even Coach Dagnolk missing. Um, it's it's certainly been an interesting stretch, and there's certainly a lot to talk about. So si- since I mentioned it then, obviously... We'll 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 kick off talking about the COVID protocols. We've had, Darius Basley, uh, Terence Mann. Mann.
1: Mann, Trey Mann, Trey Mann. Mann. I always uh, get
0: those mixed up. JRE, Shay,
1: um, Please
0: Shea. come out again. Giddy came out. Yeah, Giddy was in as well. So it's been it's it's, it's been a weird couple of weeks, it, and it feels like I feel like Bays JRE have been out for ages. Obviously, I know. They should be back anytime now or are back, but these COVID protocols are certainly given minutes to other players. Like we had a start for Ty Jerome who excelled in that game. We've had the 55th pick in the draft come absolutely out of nowhere. And it seems like the organization has completely fallen in love with him. I know I certainly have. I, I say that the mayor of Oklahoma needs to give him the keys to the city. That's what I say, but I don't know if people will agree with me, but, Go on, Brandon. We'll start off with you. How's how have you found the last 10 games? How would you sum them up? Obviously, I know there's a lot to talk about, but we'll give them a give a quick, quick sum up.
2: Uh, to sum the games up and then I'm going to touch go back to your COVID protocol comment. I'm surprised at the, the defensive effort, if you look at these games, they're, you know, I don't even know – I'd have to look back and see how many times we broke the 100 mark. But, you know, against the Knicks, holding to 80 points. All these games that we're, you know, staying in, it's due to defensive effort, and I think that's the big takeaway for me. And also the fact that, you know, before we hopped on, we were talking about who's going to guard, you know, Cat tonight because of the lack of size that we, you know, don't have a front court. We just don't have really any guys that um, can really – that, that aren't bona fide centers, I guess is a good way to say it. We just don't have that guy. And so we're kind of using this makeshift roster, whether it's COVID or just lack of depth, and we're still hanging in there. And, you know, winning five of those games is – I'll take that any day, especially um, with this young team. But I was going to ask you, Tom, what do you think – so we see so many times, you know, someone comes out, COVID protocol – they're out for maybe a couple games and then they're back. Is this a case where the NBA is just, okay, someone was in contact with somebody that has it or there's a false positive or how, how do we think that that works compared to maybe, you know, even last season, I guess that's, I can't really use last season example because of the bubble, but uh, it just seems like there's, no rhyme or reason to the, the protocols. I understand you got to be safe and got to be, you know, want everyone to be healthy, but it just seems like, you know, nobody is safe from this and, and especially not the Thunder, even then, you know, I'm assuming everyone on our team's vaccinated, but obviously we don't know that. But I was just wondering what both of you guys thought about that.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Presti has said, or someone has said that the whole team is vaccinated. So there's not an issue on that front, the Thunder would want, right were if not was the last team to have someone in COVID protocols we were quite lucky compared to a lot of other teams Uh, obviously we haven't had any postponements compared to other teams I I think it's generally as you said a minute ago just the league are wanting to be as safe as possible to limit how much it spreads around the league and the teams itself they don't want these teams competing with eight players that like some other teams have i know toronto did for a game so I, I think it's just a case of them being or trying to be as sensible as possible um which i think is obviously the correct thing to do because if, you, if it gets out of hand then obviously that lowers the standard of nba that we're seeing obviously the amount of like 10-day contracts and stuff that have been given out but I'm happy for these players getting these contracts as well, but I also feel it's uh, a bit harsh on them as well. Because Mm. These these players are getting signed because they're needed, not because they're wanted, if you know what I mean. So I I do see it that way. I don't know if Janelle sees it differently, but we'll find out now. Janelle, how do you see that? And how was your quick recap of the last 10 games?
1: So I'll address the COVID one. First, I kind of think that obviously the NBA is just trying to be as safe as possible. But to take the flip side of the quality has been lower and all this kind of stuff, I actually kind of think there's a silver lining in there somewhere that we're seeing guys like so like Maladon and Roby. Those are probably the two biggest beneficiaries. They played a ton last season, but they played for the Blue most this season. And to be honest, I think the large majority of us just forgot about them. We didn't really know what they were doing. They were just with the Blue sort of stuck away yeah, outside out might. And yet, over the last couple of games, we've seen them play really, really well, and they've kind of come back and brought themselves back into the fold. We're starting to maybe see if they deserve rotation minutes or not. To address sort of the whole thing about how the Thunder have done over the last 10 games, I know the Thunder have won five, but I feel like it could have been more. I -hmm. could be wrong, but if you go back to that Pels game that the Thunder lost on a buzzer beater from Devontae Gray, that 60-footer, if it was, in any other game, right, Graham misses that, the Thunder go into OT and they go on to win it because Shea's talent levels above them. I'll be on. And then in that Kings game, I don't know if you really remember this, but the Thunder were missing layups like nobody's business. It was just every single time they got an easy shot inside, it was just clank, clank, clank. In a normal game, the Thunder make a decent amount of them and go on to win that game. The same thing could be said for the Mavericks game as well. I generally think that that stretch of ten games, the Thunder could have won, could have went eight and two. It's we're sort of seeing the offense is not there. The offense is still pretty spotty on a nightly basis, but the defense, okay, how playing it's being played. The Thunder are somehow making this roster work despite not having a proper center, and they're just holding teams and grinding them down and winning games on defense alone.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I agree with you completely, especially in the point of seeing the players who aren't necessarily in the rotation being given minutes. Obviously, I'm absolutely buzzing to see Tio get some minutes. I'm still incredibly high on Tio. I know, um, obviously, our friend Hunter is as well. Loves a bit of Tio Maladon. Um, and obviously, I'm a big fan of Zairobi. I say it every time we talk about him. Obviously, he won my Player of the Year last year. I do think he was incredible. Um. It's good to see these guys get minutes. I do think they could easily be players that we hold on to, although I don't think we will. I think they're, they are players that we can hold on to when it comes to competing, because I do think they're both very efficient and they bring to the table what they're good at. The only thing that worried me was with Teo and his turnovers, obviously. Mm. Um, so while we're also on that subject, talking about emergence of minutes we need to talk about the emergence of Sir Aaron Wiggins, who was a 55th pick in last year's or this year's NBA draft out of Maryland, best friends with Jalen Smith from Phoenix. And he has been absolutely sublime and a fresh air. Like players, the fans, the Thunder fans are getting too excited and comparing him to Lou Dort already. Get rid of that. Like, as much as we'd love him to be another Ludo, get rid of that comparison. Like Aaron Wiggins isn't even being guarded properly yet, which I believe one of you two said in the group chat the other day, and I did agree with. He's he's not being guarded properly, but he is showing some very good glimpses, and I'm very impressed with someone as a 55th pick. So, is ah uh, so my so my question about Aaron Wiggins is going to be: Is this guy going to turn out to be someone who's good, or are we just seeing? the best of him because teams are struggling for players with players in protocols, so he's coming up against less opponents. Is he going to start struggling when teams actually defend him properly? Are we just getting a, a hot streak with him? Is he going to fade out in five games? Um Janelle, what, what are you thinking with Aaron Wiggins? Are you excited or are you still a bit on the fence about
1: him? I'm excited about Wiggins because I think, yeah, his scoring might fade. He's not gonna average at the moment, he's over the last five games, he's averaging 18 points, six rebounds, and a steal. He's not gonna average that for the rest of the season. I don't expect that to happen. But from what we've seen in terms of scoring efficiency and how he plays the game, like you look at Wiggins, you see a guy who's plays quite smart, he takes good shots, doesn't really force anything, likes to drive, he's an active cutter and he knows what to do with the ball. Like, it's nothing really that flashy with him. But if you look at a pass fake the other day, he knew exactly how to get rid of the defender, how to create an easy lane and an easy goal for himself. I don't think those are skills that are going to fade away, even when defences learn how to guard him. If anything, in my mind, it might sound like a hot take, but Wiggins plays very well with the starting unit. Why wouldn't we start him? Say you play Wiggins, Dort, Shea, Gideon, JRE, I think to me, that's a very balanced starting five that has shooting, has playmaking, defense. And it's got a certain amount of know how and feel there. I mean, I know you love Darius Baisley, who's in theory is a fantastic player. But I don't necessarily think he's got the feel that Aaron Wiggins does for the game of basketball. When you put Baisley in the starting lineup, his tendency is to kind of go a bit haywire. You put Wiggins in the starting lineup, and he fits in nicely. He, yeah,
0: he's. He's certainly an interesting prospect, and it's typical Sam Presti, I think, is what we would call Aaron Wiggins. But, Brandon, excited.
2: Man, first of all, how good is Jalen Smith? That's unrelated. But I would be so happy if we had that dude. But going back to Aaron Wiggins, tell me if this is crazy or not, but is he – the guy who we wanted Terrence Ferguson to be.
1: Oh, no, he's better than Ferg.
2: I know he's better than Ferg, but remember when we had Ferg, it, we, what we wanted was this. It was a guy like Aaron Wiggins.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm not a player hater, but I've completely forgotten about Terrence Ferguson.
1: <laughs> um, I, I, I kind of see where you're coming from because when we had Ferg, we thought he'd be like this 3 and D guard who can kind of drive a little bit. But then we just kind of got a guy who sat in the corner and we didn't really do anything until he got right to the defensive end of the run around a bit. But yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from.
2: And what's weird is so you're talking about teams kind of game planning for him or watching out for him. You can do that. But when you're worried about Shea and Dort and some of these other, you know, first, second options, even Giddy, that's the, to the benefit of Aaron Wiggins because. He's gonna be able to find wide open threes. People are sagging back off of him. I don't know whether it's just not on the scouting report or what it is, but he will have an open three every game. Watch for it tonight. I guarantee you he will hit a wide open three. And not to mention that we I when he was drafted, I was just like, cool, we got a defensive guy. I didn't know he had any of this, you know, this offensive prowess that he has is it's pretty remarkable. And I think that um, eventually he could start to be Maybe a guy that could start, definitely someone that's like a six-man type of guy. Because don't get me wrong, Janelle, is he he's a pure three, but can play the four, or is he just a three? He's a two-three. How tall is he?
0: I don't know how tall he is, but I'm pretty sure Uh, he's a two-three. Potentially can play the one as well.
2: Hmm.
1: I don't know. He's got length. Uh, I don't see him as a one. No, I I don't.
0: I don't see him as one. The thing that excites me the most of Aaron Wiggins is the fact that we're seeing these glimpses before any of us have actually seen a proper sign of him. If you know what True. I mean, like this is how he's introducing us uh, himself to the fans. So this is kind of what we would expect from now on leading to what we expect him to grow into, which is why obviously people are comparing him to Lou Dort, which I still think stupid. I know I've said that already, but it's, it's way too soon. And but it's it's certainly an interesting prospect. It's certainly a Sam Presti a um, pick in the draft. Obviously, we might have another one of them in twenty twenty eight when we can use the Utah Jazz's second round pick <laughs> that we just acquired. Twenty twenty eight, seven years in the future.
2: I'll be dead. Um, just kidding. But no, get Aaron Wiggins a contract, man.
1: <laughs> well, that's I think with the whole deal with you know deck and. Mia Oney and all this kind of stuff, right? So, to get Mia Oni. So, just quick update for everybody, right? The Thunder acquired Mia Oni from the Utah Jazz yesterday. Jazz made the trade primarily for salary reasons, also to create a roster spot to sign some VET who eventually will end up on the buyout market after trade deadline ends. So, the, just a quick run-up. The Thunder obviously waived Gabriel Deck. Shout out, Gabriel Deck. You were fun to watch and, you know, you kind of moaned or complained a little bit, but you were kind of interesting to watch. So, they waived him. And then they waived only straight after they acquired him because they have no need for him. So that creates a roster spot to sign Wiggins to, mm-hmm. and so this new guy that they're planning on bringing in, the Greek Georges uh, Kalitzakis, I think is how you're saying his name, can be signed to a two-way. But Wiggins would be converted from a two-way to a main roster contract.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's certainly interesting to see what what's going to happen with him going forward. Um, I'm happy to announce to the listeners uh, Brandon's still with us he's not dead yet so it's not not quite there yet but so so we'll move on to something else that happened over the case of these 10 games and that was the benching of Darius Baisley which obviously myself being a base stand I was actually okay with it I thought I'm doing some good we've seen it with other players but obviously not in terms of starting uh, someone who starts games but I mean in terms of we saw poku, Uh, go to the G League last year and it's done a a world of good. And it seems like this done is a world of good as well. Like It was probably one of the best stretches we've seen of him in Funder uniform. His defence I thought was even better than what it was as a starting. And I do think he's the second best defender on the team. Like His defence is severely underrated. But he he had some good streaks as well. Was shooting well, was making better shots and he he fitted in with the second rotation. But Obviously, Dagnold said himself that he will be back in the starting rotation. It was just to have a look at other players, which, again, don't have a problem with. It would have done Bayes' good. It certainly looked as if he was a bit more motivated. But, Brandon, how how did you see the Bayes benching go down? Did you find it a bit harsh on him, or did you think it was the right thing to do?
2: I don't know if this is just where I'm at in his progression and where he's at with this team but i almost don't notice when he's on the floor and i don't notice when he's off the floor and that might be harsh but i think it is a good idea to kind of see what else is going on in terms of getting some development for these other guys because um, you just touched on it a couple minutes ago basely you know to his detriment kind of Janal's is talking about how he's, he's a little haywire. He gets a little lost. Um, granted, I don't think – he's definitely earned his starting spot, but that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean that it's given to you. You still have to work for it to remain a starter. It can be taken away at any time. And if there's somebody else that's better out there, let him, you know, let him go after it because Baisley could be one of these guys, like, watch, he gets benched, then he comes off, and he just plays remarkable because he's got a chip on his shoulder. And to me, I've always touched on the one thing that Baisley looks like he's missing is just a lack of motivation. I don't I can't really tell if he loves the game of basketball. And that's not I don't he's awesome, dude. But just sometimes he just kind of seems like, yeah, I'm here. Cool. Other times, you know, you can tell when he's having an impact. It's very obvious. But um, to say it was harsh. Now, I think that it's necessary at this point.
0: I do, I, do. I again completely agree with all of that. I do think it's it's done him some good. I do think he needed that motivation again, as I said a minute ago. I do think he's been a lot more motivated. Like it feels like it felt like it kind of hurt him in a way. Like obviously Dagnall said himself, he responded to it brilliantly. Tra- uh, saw it in training, um, in practice. Sorry, I know Americans call it practice, not training. Um, call it. In, yeah, he's he saw. A motivated Bayes in practice, which is obviously something I want to see. I Bayes when he's on point. I think it's a terrific player, but we do, we don't see it enough. And I haven't, as as the Stan I am, I haven't seen it enough from him this year. But that's that's me personally. I know, obviously, you two ain't as high on Bayes or anywhere near as high as Bayes as what I am. But Janelle, what were your thoughts on benching Bayes? I know you would have been for it, but what what have you seen from him?
1: It's the right decision in my opinion, because obviously I think if you look at the starting lineup and kind of how Baisley plays with them like with his other sort of partner in the front court, so when he plays next to sort of JRE or even Favours, even last year's you look at when he played next to Roby, like it just doesn't the chemistry doesn't seem to be quite right. I can't quite describe it, but you can kind of tell that They don't necessarily fit next to each other neatly. And then you get Baisley on offense. I don't know whether he's not comfortable playing to Shea, but it kind of always felt that whenever he got the ball, he would start to slow the game down. He'd take too many touches. The Thunder's offensive rhythm would kind of be a bit broken, and it would be very hard to find that again. So I think bringing him off the bench when he's playing next to Ty Jerome, Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala, like a relatively settled unit, where his defence, he can just make an impact on that end and focus on taking two or three good touches and getting scores like that is very, very good for him. But you said it yourself. You said streaks, and I think that's quite the operative word. We've seen streaks on Paisley in the past. We've seen him play well for five or six games. The question to me, right, I want to see if he's going to be a long-term part of the Thunder. He's got to do this for 40 games, 45, 50 games. We have to see him consistently play well over a period of time. If not, he's pointless. There's no point having a player who plays well for five games and then shit for five games. If you look at, to use a cross-sport comparison, Paul Pogba is a very gifted footballer. incredibly talented midfielder. But if he only plays well for three games of the season and he's dog shit for the rest of them, what's the point? Hmm. It's pointless. You need consistency. You need someone who can put in a solid seven, eight out of ten every single night for a team to be competitive and consistent over the long term.
2: I
0: love Paul Pogba. He's shy, <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about football.
1: Jordan Henderson is better than him, not gonna lie. But that's just Anita
0: and and he's a Macham. Let's not let's let's not forget that. He's a Macham. he is and Sunderland. He's a Malcolm, exactly he's Sunderland born and bred. So, um, no, obviously, I'm always going to be for Bays. I, I do think his potential is still there. He is still only young, which people forget. Obviously, the he is a third year player now, and we do want to see more from him, myself included. The one thing that I think that would work wonders for this team is obviously Shy doesn't get a pick-and-roll off anyone, apart from maybe Derek Favors. No one else gives him the screens. I don't know whether that's tactical or something along those lines, but Derek Favors seems to be the only one he does. Darius Baisley is best at attacking the rim. I think he would get so much more options if he was setting screens for SGA. But that's me personally, so I would like to see that Adapted into his game, or but I don't know whether that's tactical or a d- different styles of play, but it's something I I would like to see, and I think it would actually help his game. Um, so that brings me to the end of what I wanted to talk about with Bays, but I also mentioned someone else I wanted to talk about there, and that's uh, obviously SGA, SGA to the all star game, which I'm, I know we're all biased and we're all going to say it. It's, Do I reckon it's going to happen? Probably not as much as we all hope it would happen. I don't think there's, there's still players, excuse me, there's still fans around the league who don't know how good SGA is. And to put it into context, like I'm in like a NBA UK fan account chat with all the other teams and stuff. And they have done a, Quick redraft while we were talking about it the other day. And he had SGA seventh finish year. MPJ above him. Mikhail Bridges above him. And it's like this this is what I mean. People don't realise how good SGA is. So the all-star game isn't gonna happen this year, unfortunately, I don't think. But we're we're obviously getting excited. He's had a he's had a good couple of weeks, and he's just Amazing, isn't he? Like I remember that step back three to win the game against the Clippers. Incredible. Don't know what the hell Nick Batum was doing in that in that play. But that,
2: was, that was weird. It was like it was,
0: it's like he's, he's, Nick Batum was just like, yeah, he won't make it. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! It went in. Um, but yeah, Shai's been balling. Um, it's gonna be obviously. I hope he gets in, but I don't see it. But. It's, it's, it, every time I see Shy ball out, it just makes me want to end this rebuild and start competing. But mm-hmm. I don't think I, with Giddy performing the way he is, Dort competing the way he is, I don't think we're going to be as far away. I still think it's going to be this year and next year, but maybe I'm wrong. But Janelle, Shy, the last since we last recorded, he's been on one, hasn't
1: he? Oh, he's been fantastic. I think the thing to me is that he's not necessarily shot all that well this season. Like last season, he shot the lights out. It was almost like it, did, it was it seemed sustainable in the sense that every he was taking good shots, he was just making them consistently. And we obviously taking that quality of the shot, you would expect him to make it. This season, he's kind of been a bit more up and down, but he's just been more savvier about how he goes in about getting the points, getting points on a good night when he's not shooting all that well. Like we'll see him constantly hunt his way to three throw line, take 17 3 throws, score four, you know, make fourteen of them when he's not having a good night for the field. And I just think he's added that, that aspect to his game, this, the intelligence. Whether he makes an all-star is a different thing altogether. If you look at everybody else who's kind of in that sort of bracket, so you're talking about Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Moran, Donchich, uh, Devin Booker, uh, to me, he's kind Maybe even to John T. Murray. Shout out to John T. Murray. He's a fantastic season in San Antonio. So you're talking about a group of about six, seven guards... Into what about three or four different places? So it's going to be tough, and that's not even counting Damian Lillard, who I don't think has played that well. But he will, will draw consideration because he's a named guy. It's going to be hard for him to make it this year. Last season it was a lot easier because the guard depth wasn't as good in the Western Conference, or it was the pool, the talent pool was thinner. This year it's going to be a lot harder for him. But I hope he makes it. But I don't know. I'm not really that confident.
0: Yeah, obviously the fans are doing their best on Twitter, but. I'm sure a lot of the fan base wouldn't be too confident. But Brandon, SGA, how far away is he from Westbrook in terms of how loved he is in Oklahoma? Obviously, me and Janelle don't know, but this guy obviously recently signed a Supermax. Obviously, I'm every single Thunder fan loves him. I've never seen someone like him off. How far away from being as loved as Westbrook? Obviously, Westbrook is Westbrook and OKC, but how far away is he from that?
2: That is an interesting question. It's, I mean, he garners a lot of respect, but at the same time, people love Lou Dort, I want to say, maybe as much as they love Shea. I don't know if that's, I can't speak for everybody, but you go to a home game, the ovations are quite similar, which is interesting to me because Shea is one of these guys that, man, we he'd be getting, so, if he was on, shoot, any, like put him on the Boston Celtics, for example, or even, well, he was on the Clippers, but any team that has more national respect, he'd be getting, he'd be getting talked about so much differently. And I don't know if there's a difference between like someone being popular on Twitter and then the national media understanding, you know, how great this guy is granted. We know because we watch him each game and we see what he's capable of. But in terms of maybe getting to that Westbrook level of just craziness and and love, I don't know. That's a tough one because, A, Russell was so animated, right? He was, you know, he's crazy. He's a little more outspoken. Shea's a little bit more reserved, um, plays with a – he looks stoic at times on the court. You know what I mean? He's kind of just what you see is what you get. But he lets his game do the talking for him. The only thing I do wonder, and someone posed this question to me the other day, and I thought it was an asinine argument, but a uh, guy told me that Shea would be, and I'm not going to name drop just in case because I don't want anything to go, go back and uh, someone to get mad at me. But the argument was that Shea, is, he's, a, he's the second best guy on a contending team. And in my head, he's definitely a number one guy on a contending team. I think he's got all the intangibles. Um, he's not really like, what is he missing in his game that makes him, you know? If we, sure, if we had like a guy like, I don't know, if you put Paul George and Shea on the same team, is that a one A one B deal, or what? What are we, what are we talking about then?
0: It's. Yeah, see this was this was also talked about in the group chat I'm in mean, that people were saying that in only seven teams in the NBA currently SGA would be a top two player mm. in seven teams. And this this backs up exactly what you said. If if Shai was in like twenty five other franchises that are a lot. Without sounding disrespectful to the funder, but a slightly bigger organisations in terms of their followings, in terms of the population and stuff, so they get looked at a lot more. Where if Shy was in any of those teams, he'd be raved about a hell of a lot more. Which is, in my opinion, it's completely sad to see. Because like, obviously, I haven't been to Oklahoma. I've have seen a hell of a lot of photos of it, and it's a beautiful place. So it's 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 hard that that's the way the NBA works, and it's 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 even harsh on SGA. And I know we've spoke about it before in saying that um, SGA. Which we're not going to see the best of him until he's with another superstar, mm-hmm. and that, that that that's the easy way about it. Obviously, we have Lou with him, who's going to be obviously a role player. I would imagine starting role player. And we have and- Josh Josh Giddy, who I hope to be in the backcourt with SGA going forward.
2: Isn't it crazy, though, that SGA doesn't play a couple games and Josh Giddy finally gets a triple-double? That's something that – I mean, we lose, obviously, but that's something that I found interesting. But back to your point on the All-Star game, there's no way that SGA makes All-Star this year. And I don't even know – I'm trying to think of the – who would be the worst guard on the worst – not the worst guard. Who would be the worst team to have that final spot on the All-Star game this year? Janal mentioned Dejounte Murray. That would be, by far, probably the worst team in terms he of did. record and all that stuff. But that's not even happening. So but I think the Spurs to- are
1: slightly better, right? Than the Thunder. Just Spurs yeah. at are the moment. I think so. Five hundred. Yeah, I think so. Let's look.
2: But so that I mean, until 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 we're out of this tank mode, which in in my mind, I I wouldn't even necessarily sure the overall product of what we're doing leads to tanking but this isn't what we watched last year but until we're out of this idea that everyone thinks of the thunder as a tanking organization organization just to get draft picks um, nobody's going to take us seriously which that falls back on shea because he doesn't get not going to get any national attention that he deserves he's a damn good player man
1: but they look at it like this This is my, like, let's say, oh, the Thunder is a tanking organisation, but we currently have the same record as the Portland Trailblazers, a team that was widely expected to make the playoffs. The Thunder currently have the same record as the Indiana Pacers, a team that was widely expected to make the playoffs. If you want to talk about teams that are tanking, why don't we talk about Detroit and Orlando? One team that's won five games, one team that's won six games. Yeah. The Thunder had the intention of tanking this season. I've no doubts about that. But... Right. If things have changed it's different now and the only reason why people don't notice this is that the thunder don't play on the national television for national writers to take notice they have to see the products in front of them nobody's hunting out a thunder game on league pass you know in central time zone nobody's hunting that out you have to put the products in front of their eyes and for that to happen the nba has to book up their ideas and actually take an interest for too long this has been a criticism of my pro- of the nba's products: is that there's too much of this focus on these big teams right? with established stars, but there's never any focus about building for the future generation. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Shea on national television. I'd like to see John Morant on national television. I'd like to see all of these players get the opportunity to shine and grow, but the NBA can't see past uh, LeBron, uh, Curry, uh, Durant. They're fixated <laughs> with each generation of stars, but they don't know necessarily about building that next generation.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely suck off these stars, don't they? But I completely agree with that, and I'm glad you made that point. So it was something that I was going to make literally as I was about to talk then. But and it's exactly the same in this country. The last two years, the Funder haven't had a single game on TV on Sky Sports in the UK, well, and and it's it's something I don't agree with. When I'm I'm amazed at the amount of Funder fans that I do have following me from the UK, though, especially considering the fact that we're not on Sky and stuff. So. Obviously, I know a lot of them probably fell in love with Westbrook, so fell in love with the Thunder that way. But how, how are these fan bases meant to get bigger when these teams are not getting televised games? It's, it's, it's extraordinary to me that these... If a team's tanking or whatnot, then they don't get national TV. And I don't think it's fair. And then in the conversation of like all the picks and stuff, anybody who's not a Thunder fan doesn't get it because think of all these picks. There's no way in hell we're going to use them. The amount of picks that we have, when it comes time to put a team together, we're going to be absolutely stacked with salary cap and draft picks. We are going to go large to get the best type of superstar that we can get to fit the team. And Sam Bressley will know that. Uh, He'll he'll have in his head what players he will target at what point because that's what Sam does. But when it comes to doing that, we're going to be loaded with picks. We can turn around and get an all-star player and we can give them bloody six, seven picks like Clippers gave us, for just, us uh, for just Paul George. We've got that many in the future that things like that can happen. These picks aren't going to happen. We are not tanking for picks. We're tanking to obviously use the picks that we're going to use. But we're also collecting these picks so when the time comes to start uh, contending again that we have plenty of leeway when it comes to the trade market because players will look at us and go, "All oh, they're offering us, Darius, Beasley, Alexei, Pokushevsky, uh, and five picks. How can we turn that down?" You know, it's 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 silly, but people don't understand that because people just like to hate on the funder because, like, obviously as we said earlier, they call us a
2: a small Barbers organization. Different. I
0: don't I don't
2: know if I mean do we even ever get another superstar in Oklahoma City? Like like someone some
0: someone will want to team up with SGA. SGA has too many friends in the NBA already. Someone will want to team up with him, whether it be someone from Canada in the national right. team. But Sh- shai is a very likable guy. He has a lot of friends. Obviously, he has his fashion stuff that he's into as well. He he has plenty of fans and getting another superstar in, it's not going to be an issue. Shai will talk to him. And obviously, Lou Dort's a very likable guy and has a lot of friends as well. Because a lot of players respect his defence. But that, that turned into a very large segment, that one. We ended up talking about that one for a while, so we'll move on. So, yeah, I want, wanted to talk about the offensive tendencies of the team. Obviously, there's been quite a few times this year where we haven't got past the 90-point mark. And it is slightly worrying. There's been games where I'm getting extremely, extremely pissed off with Lou Dort because he's shooting three for 18 in a game. He seems to just have this license at the minute where he can just shoot and shoot for fun. Obviously, I know it seems like we're trying to develop it. So in a way, I'm not as pissed off in that sense. I'm just pissed off in the moment. I'm like, oh, why are you shooting that? Why are you shooting that? Like there's better looks and stuff. But that's that's just a competing side to me without realising what we're trying to do. We want these players to get better in certain aspects. So by the end of the game, it doesn't piss me off as much. But it is slightly worrying me that we are at times struggling to get past 90 points. Obviously, we've had the argument the last time we recorded that maybe only six or seven of these players stay with the funder when it comes to uh, contending again. But what is also worrying me is... We want these players to be playing well and getting their draft stock, uh, trade stock up. Because if these players aren't playing well, they're not going to be worth as much. Which is where the offensive la- or lack of offensiveness is worrying me with the team. Because we want to be able to say this guy's an asset rather than, oh, he's just on the roster. Am I am I being a bit too critical there, Janelle, or would you say I'm 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 a bit right?
1: I think the thing is, to, there's kind of two issues. On obviously, shooting has been an issue, but if a bit you know finishing shots inside has felt like a bit of an issue this year, and catching and shoot has been a bit of an issue this year. But I kind of think some of it comes down to the fact that Thunder have this their key offensive tendency is to move the ball around, move the ball around, see what opportunities develop out of it. That's you know run a motion offense. There's some play action called in it, but not all that much the thing is, it can, when you've got, when Giddy's off the floor, when Shea's off the floor, and you've got the Jerome, Maladom, it it has a tendency to somewhat stagnate. When Thunder are moving the ball around, you know, for 16 seconds, let's say, out by the perimeter, but they've not punctured the defence once. You have a lot of lateral movement side to side, but not much north and south. When you don't have that, you're not necessarily challenging the opposing defence all that much. So the Thunder gets this habit where They're moving the ball around. Lots of passing, but nothing's really being achieved. And when that happens, you have one bad possession. Bear in mind, these are relatively long possessions. They're not quick strike offense. It's 20, 24 seconds. The the other team come down the floor, get a score. And then suddenly, you know, you have two or three of these bad possessions in a row. The Thunder go three minutes without scoring a basket. And when that happens, it's just, you know, it's a vicious cycle. It just keeps happening and happening over and over and over again. Until someone like Shea or Giddy eventually checks back in and the Thunder starts to look normal again. So I think it's a problem in terms of the stability. Like the Thunder's offense, when it's going good, it's decent, but there's like a lot of volatility involved with it, depending on the personality who's out there for the Thunder at that point in time.
0: Yeah, it's. As I said, I don't know whether I'm being a bit too critical. Obviously, I know that. When you look, we've discussed this as well on previous episodes, when you look at shooters on the Thunder, you look at obviously Mike Muscala and Ty Jerome, have to let you kind of struggle. Shy's obviously developing it. He's obviously spent a lot of time developing his step backs, which is just absolute filth when he pulled it off, like that Clippers game. It was absolutely filthy, but I'm sure, Brandon, obviously you go to home games, so... You might see a different side to how me and Janelle say it. it might piss you off more that these players are shooting four for 18, like Lou Dort has done more than once as well. Um, how are these offensive games for you when you're going home and the funder has scored 87 points?
2: I mean, it's just a different type of, it's just a different brand of basketball. It's, you know, it's ugly, really. You, you muddy the game up, slow it down, you know, try to use the shot clock and, you know, the points per per possession and all the other stuff to your advantage in terms of just, let's make it slow. And if we do get out on transition, we'll run. But other than that, you're kind of limited because we don't, I mean, we don't have, there's nobody on our team that is a pure, Mike Muscala, I feel like is a good, pure kind of shooter. But on that same token, like, you know, we, we don't have guys that can, kind of surround Shay that can kind of bail him out. Uh Trey Mann. I like his shot a whole lot, to be honest. You're not big on it. I,
0: I, I can't make my mind up on Trey Mann personally.
2: I mean, I don't know if he's a shooter. He's more of a scorer. Um but it's just a different type of basketball. And when but what I do like is and as opposed to years past, I guess I'd have to think back to like maybe the surge of Aka days with like that kind of whole lineup, we really, nobody really feared us defensively until, you know, we kind of had those guys like Perk, Abaka, you had, you always had, whether it was Cephalosha or Dre on the perimeter, you know, people, people understood that we were a defensive team. We got away from it a little bit. And I think Dagnall really does preach like, Hey, defense is going to be the kind of the cornerstone of this you know, team and the franchise moving forward. But, yeah, going to the games and watching that, it's not necessarily, you know, I, I, I don't mind it. And a lot of people like all these threes and kind of that whole thing and just 124 to 121 kind of final score. You're just not going to get that with this team. And I think that's part of the identity that they're going for. Which I'm I'm not mad about it either way.
0: Yeah, I'm pre- I'm pretty sure it was the the Kings game was followed by the next game. I might be wrong, but obviously yeah, the the Kings game we scored 111, and then the next game we scored 85, and they were in the space right. of like two days away from each other. Um, it's 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 frustrating at times and I think it might be even more frustrating for myself or Janelle. Obviously, I know you're back to work so you're not staying up for games now but you were over the last t- uh, two weeks or so so it's it's it's, it's a bit mind-blowing when you're staying up till three o'clock and you're like, oh, I've stayed up for an 85-point <laughs> game, you know?
1: Hey, I I have to say, right, I'll be honest, the last two games have been relatively low scoring. The Thunder won 95-80 against the so and they scored 86 points against the Mavericks but I enjoyed watching those games. I know it sounds weird and it sounds a bit stupid. You're like, why wouldn't you want to watch scoring? But there's something kind of fun about watching great defense being played for three, four minutes at a time. And you just can't see the other team can't get a score and they're getting frustrated. You can clearly see they're frustrated and start chucking shots. And the Thunder are just locking them down. And I very much enjoy watching that. In some ways, in a league that's so offensive, it's nice to watch a team playing good defense.
2: Yeah.
0: Sorry, I'm just laughing because I'm pretty sure Brandon's just been bit. And it's. Dude, he's just been bit by his doctor. But but he's still alive.
2: I've been like, her thing is just let me chew on everything. And she doesn't stop. She's a woman possessed. But this whole episode, I have been trying to be a dad as well as um, pay attention to my fine friends over here. And it's been challenging. I'm not going to lie. But I apologize for any chomping that you hear in the background. She can't help it. Tom wants me to change her name to Poku. Um, That's in the works. Talk to my better half. It
0: should be done already. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) While we were just talking about what we were saying then about the last 10 games and Janelle obviously enjoying it, I could see by the smile on his face that Janelle did enjoy those games. So while we have a smile on Janelle's face, we're now going to talk about something that's going to put a smile on all of our faces and that's moving on to Rookie Watch uh, for this week. Obviously, we've already spoken about um, Aaron Wiggins. So, you know, we're going to be talking about that guy, the Australians, six foot eight, Josh Giddy, two-time Rookie of the Month for the West. The youngest ever guy to have a triple-double in the NBA, beating LaMelo Ball. And a bloody good double, uh, triple double as well. Especially after getting a pointless double double, like a week before, which I thought was funny, but it was a great performance that game. Giddy's been absolutely exceptional. I've I've been trying to hold back with Josh Giddy as much in terms of high hopes and stuff for him as much as possible because of how high he was in the draft. But I'm one hundred and ten percent on board now. Like. I was only 90, but now it's 110. The guy's incredible and he's only going to get better. Um, he's had a lot of praise this week from around the press. He's under uh, league as well. Even someone who hates OKC, Bill Simmons, has what? praised him. I don't know if anybody else has heard what he had to say, but even Wait Bill Bill Simmons has pretty much just said, at first I completely writ off Josh Skiddy. I wasn't interested in people from Australia or New Zealand. And the, he's now completely on board that Giddy's going to make everybody around him look better, and he's a key part partner to SGA going forward. It was it was it was it was a good listen, but it's nice to actually hear some praise from Bill Simmons. Like weird. Normally hates on OKC, so it's nice. But my God, that that triple double. Obviously, I know that's what we're going to talk about. Brandon, talk to me yeah. about it.
2: I mean. Look, it was one of those things – I thought it was funny. Our buddy Alex, who's sometimes on the pod, he tweeted out three hours, I think, before the game.
0: Yeah, he I remember said, saying. that night
2: will be the night that Josh Giddey gets a triple-double. Uh, it just speaks to the player that he is, and it's not anything – he's so ahead of his age that it's kind of weird to think about him being 19 because you can draw comparisons to – Whoever you want, but like who's a better I mean, Luca can pass the damn ball. But Josh Giddy, I've never seen someone be able to like just put like where do you need the ball? Here it is. Whether you're running the fast break, coming off of a curl, whatever, whatever play we're running, transition, not he's gonna make it happen. And that to me is the biggest point of emphasis moving forward on the triple double side. I just think it's great to see a guy in a thunder uniform other than, you know, Russ finally get another triple double, Um, especially, especially his first year with the team. It It just speaks to kind of who he is and who he'll be moving forward. And even more so, I think the big takeaway for me was after the game, Reporters are, you know, talking about it, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, well, we didn't get the win, you know, and that's kind of what I'm more worried about is a team win more than an individual statistic. And yeah, it's impressive. But in my mind, he was always, that was always going to happen. It was definitely going to happen this year, just watching him play with a small sample size. But I'm trying to think of good comparisons for Josh Giddy in terms of passing. Nothing's really coming to my mind. I don't know if he's in a league of his own, but
0: I, I I still compare his passing to that of Chris Paul personally. The way he gets to the top of the D um, is incredible. He does it similar to Chris Paul, obviously just a lot taller. Um, I found it funny how you said it, it's nice to see somebody else get a triple double for the Thunder. Obviously, forgetting uh, Russell Westbrook, you obviously forgot about SGA's triple SGA's triple double. Oh my god! Like two games before Giddies.
2: <laughs> what game was that? I'll have to look that up. That
1: I mean, Shea also did 2020 and 10, didn't he? I was like, doing yeah. the CP. Uh, that was doing the three Amico's zero.
2: Dude, the triple-double so watered down now. It's
0: and, and, and you're the one that's meant to be living in Oklahoma. You're meant to be the super meant fan to of it. I
2: was, was born here, sir. I will die <laughs> here. Um, Uh, well i guess within
0: within seven years yeah (laughs)
2: because i'm so (laughs) old i guess because dude i don't notice when Shay. i don't know i don't really notice a lot of great stuff that Shay does because i expect it from him um i'm gonna have to go back and look at that though because i'm kind of upset with myself for not remembering but thank you for pointing that out
0: to me (laughs) i appreciate that janelle josh giddy obviously you've been there from the start i know you have how have, how have you seen this stretch and that triple double? Obviously, we were all absolutely ecstatic for him, and it was a bloody good triple double as well. If my memory serves right, it was seventeen points, fourteen assists, thirteen rebounds. I think
1: yeah, might be that's wrong, right, but... I four steals. Oh yeah. man, it, Crazy. it was. I, it's one of those games, right? The stats don't really tell the full story. If you like, oh his passing, like there was. You just have to go back on. Like, there was a stretch at the start of the third quarter where Dallas were up by a decent amount. And then Giddy just seemed to decide, right, I'm getting these guys going downhill. And he came out, did a run, pick and roll with Roby, got assisted four straight back makes for Thunder. And suddenly, Thunder had a bit of momentum again. The engine was rolling in the offense. And everybody started to flow a little bit more. His scoring, I mean, we've talked about Josh giddy scoring all year long. Is he too passive? Does he lose confidence? And he does from time to time. But this one, he was knocking down this that step back jumper, silky smooth, perfect, using the runner to get in the lane and score. And like he just raised his game. As players go, like he raised his game and the speed of thought that he had. He's not an athlete, but God Almighty, he just thinks quicker than everybody else. He spots these passing angles so weird, so strange, and he just does these things faster than everybody else. And that's creates the breathing space for the Thunder. Creates a little bit of space. That he can use to run the offense to the maximum. I thought he was fantastic. It's the best performance I've seen out of him so far. Generally, like I was smiling ear to ear sitting there, and the fact he brought the thunder back. The thunder.
2: Touching on that though, the way that the way he sees the game.
1: He's just We lost oh, your sorry, you now, sorry. Out for a
2: I was trying to pick, I was trying to suck the air out of the room. No, it's t- touching on what Janal's talking about. It's the way he sees the game differently and the, his reads. It's it's like how it's crazy because he knows exactly uh, most of it's He knows where you're supposed to be on the floor. And so if you play the right way, it's all good. You know what I mean? And I did look up the SGA stat and this is actually embarrassing. I was at the game. When he played, oh, no. when he played, <laughs> they played Denver and they won. Oh, no. But I may or not, I'm. It's possible that I was overserved at Paycom, and you know, I just might have forgot. So.
0: And you think you'll be dead within seven? I'm not giving you two at the minute.
2: <laughs> That's that was an impressive <laughs> stat line too. But no, I, uh, I don't know who here. It's funny when Janelle was talking, I was thinking about our first episode after the draft, and like me, we were going around basically trashing this guy. Not trashing him, but we were just like, yeah. he's not athletic, can't shoot. What else can? What can he do? What's he gonna do for us?
0: But it's, it's, it's certainly I made a lot of people eat their own words when obviously the idea was a tank to tank tank for Cade, but mm-hmm. I think I've, I think we've done pretty all right. With Josh Kiddie, do you now? You seem to be back with us again properly. Do you need to re-add anything that you were talking about?
1: Yeah, just just the moments. Like it, it's not necessarily like necessarily what he did as a start, that, but just how he like when he was on the court. You felt like the Thunder had every chance of winning the game. It, even towards the end of it, right, they were closing Dallas down. It just took Luca to put the game away. I mean, Roby missed that three. If, if Roby makes that three throw, the Thunder are already down by about three. And Giddy led that comeback, got down, lead down from nine to three with his own score and his passing, all this kind of stuff. And he was just driving Thunder forward. Like, it's just fantastic to watch. Like, we look at Shea, Shea's capable of doing that. We finally saw that from Josh. He can carry an offence when the team needs him to.
0: It's, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for Josh Giddy and SGA as a backcourt going forward, happily move Blue daughter to the three, and I think that's a, a set in stone three for the future. Then we just need to sort out the four and five. Obviously, I I want Beasley to have that four. I'd even take Poku at that four, but they both have a lot of work to do to nail that spot. And obviously, that five is where you'll expect us to go in the draft. Um,
1: yeah. about the five though, I've kind of been looking into it and thinking like, if you look at the five in this draft, it terms of actual like, Chet Holmgren, I don't think he's a five. I just don't. So you're then t- looking at Jalen Duran, Yannick Nasosa, and whoever else you want to put in there. And Banchero? Uh, more of a four. I think Banchero is more of a four, personally.
0: I yeah. think the two big guns and- are both fours.
1: So then you're talking about these two centres, right? So Nasosa is wrong, he's raw, but is he really what the Thunder need? Uh, to me, right, DeAndre Ayton hasn't been given a contract extension to the best of my knowledge. He hasn't been going a contract extension. Phoenix traded away Joe Johnson 17 years ago when he hit restricted agency. He was like 24 at the time and they traded him away for Boris Diaw and assets because Robert Sarver didn't want to pay him. So what has changed? Why not go and make a play for DeAndre Ayton? Offer him yeah. all the money in the world. Offer the picks. Whatever Phoenix wants, offer it. Go for it. What's there to lose?
2: Go get Jalen Smith. Cheaper price. That dude's going to be special. I'm saying, I'm just telling y'all, letting y'all know. I
0: don't, I don't know about Jalen. So I I don't think I've seen enough of him to say yes or no to him, but DeAndre Ayton, 100%. If he's available, go get him. I said the same about John Collins last year, really wanted to see him leave Atlanta, but obviously that didn't happen. But I definitely see the two big guys in this year's draft, or next year's draft that have been talked about Chet and Paolo. Uh, both fours for me. They're not fives, but you got to remember, there's a very, very big five in twenty twenty three. I can't quite remember his name. That French guy is it? When Benyama or something?
1: I'd have to look that up. He's yeah, it's when Benyama, Benyama, You
0: you need to look that guy up because he is going to be incredible. And whoever gets him, he's 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 going to be up there with. I, I, I personally think he'll surpass Jokic, Embiid, in terms of being the best center in the league.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> he's not played like. I understand no, what
0: in he... terms of potential and stuff.
1: Oh, fair enough. Okay, I was going to say. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm
0: not saying he's going to enter the league and be the best straight away. No.
1: I don't know, about that. I don't yeah. know if the Thunder can wait that long. It's, it's only an extra. Pick...
0: So it's only an extra year.
1: Yeah, I know, but. Shay is under contract until 2026. 2027, sorry. If the Thunder are going to trade him at some point in the future, you ideally want to get that process started by 2025 so the Thunder starts some leverage. As soon as he's a year left on his deal, his value goes down massively. So, to me, to have a better chance of keeping Shay, you have to be decently competitive by 2025, whether that being a playoff team, whether that making the second round, whatever it is. Because, really, like, at that point, then it's the decision, isn't it? If you're good by 2025, does Shea want to stay? If he does, yes. If he doesn't, move him on. I think waiting for Wemby Yama another year, and then you've got a year worth of developing him. There's no guarantees involved in that. I'd like to hopefully try to keep Shea, and I think around Shea, you know, whoever pick, well, whoever the pick is going to be this year, Josh and Lou, and say hopefully Aiton. I think you can try and contend and compete with that.
0: I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, yeah, that, that pretty much sums up everything I wanted to talk about this week. So that brings us on to this week's final segment, which is slightly different this week. And it's the new one we introduced a few weeks ago of fundamental trivia. Um, Brandon has got his tail tucked between his legs this week and as has done the questions because he had two losses in a row to Janelle, which is absolutely shocking considering he's taken one from Oklahoma and would have followed it his whole life. But this week it is Brandon. <laughs> Brandon asking the questions. Um, I'm fully expecting Janelle to win. My knowledge is nowhere near as good as his, and I I just don't remember stuff. My knowledge is absolute rubbish if i happen to get one right i'll be amazed i'm just putting that out there so don't give me stick if i get something obvious wrong so mm-hmm. i i am going to pass you over to brandon who is the host of this week's fundamental trivia
2: i want some trivia music
0: maybe we can add that in on the edits <laughs> all right
2: tom first that was,
0: <laughs> a, that was a flash of lightning
2: <laughs> <laughs> this one the first one should be a layup i don't know all right We all know Russell Westbrook. He's got 138 triple doubles for the franchise. That's the most in franchise history. Who is number two on that list with 14 triple doubles?
0: Kevin Durant.
1: Kevin Durant, right? Must be.
2: Hmm. Durant's got seven. Keep
0: going. Only seven? Yeah. Paul, Paul George? He's not on the list.
1: No, so the list is, as far it's... as I remember, the li- the list is Shay, Giddy, George, Ibaka, um, K. D. Russ. Oh, it be Gary Payton. It'd be Gary Payton.
0: Boom. See, I always forget about Sonic players. That's like the, the, the that's
2: the... the problem. Is you have yeah. to remember that. So okay, for the listeners, anytime we do Thunder trivia, it is, it is franchise. So unfortunately, we have to talk about. That team from the Pacific Northwest. We're gonna have well.
0: to we're we're gonna have to stop that before we get absolutely violated by fans. We'll be okay. Fuck the Sonics. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks for the basketball team. Appreciate yes. it. Um, dude, was so Durant seven? Huh. That's interesting. But yeah, of course it's gonna be the glove. It's just crazy to look at the graph and see Westbrook's is like. Massive. Um. Okay. Only player in franchise history to be a player coach. And if you need a hint, I can throw you the year. He was a player coach.
1: Lenny Wilkins.
2: Damn. Yo, Janelle's gonna. I'm telling you. By the I'll time. I'll have a guess I'm at
1: Lenny Wilkins. Yeah, you're right.
2: I, I Tom,
0: was gonna say. Oh, I was. I was gonna say Raymond Felton just for a joke. <laughs> How about Nazi Muhammad,
2: Janal, There's no way that uh, that we're ever going to catch Janal. Matter of fact, was Bill Russell on there as well?
1: No, he yeah, wasn't Bill Russell. For- yeah, he,
0: yeah, yeah. He was a player coach for the
1: he Sonics. In- no, no, he. Yeah, he, retired, with, he lives in Seattle. So I think he coached this- him for about three, four yeah, years. He did. Okay, yeah. so he wasn't a coach. He definitely wasn't a player coach. Okay,
0: he was a player coach in Boston, though. That's what it was.
2: Um, This is okay. This is my favorite one by far. Who leads the Thunder in two-point field goal percentage all time?
0: Abdul Nader.
1: Two-point field goal percentage. Uh, Do you
2: need the? Do you want the
1: number?
0: What percentage number? Sixty. It's going to be any hustle.
1: Is it like Rick Smiths?
0: No. Nope. Is it a Sonics player?
1: No. No, good. Is it like Nick Collins? No, it won't be Nick. Um, He's on the top ten. Is it? nolas Noel. It is not. Who is it?
0: Go on, give no, us, no give no. us, give us a position.
2: A position. All right, this is when it. Okay, he played the two.
1: Played the two. Uh,
0: it's not James Harden, is it? Uh-uh.
1: So this is so if he's played for two, then it has to be a player who hasn't played that many games and didn't shoot that much for the Thunder. Because if he shot that much as a two, his volume would have went down.
0: Alex Sabrinas.
1: Damn. No, nah, it's going to be even shorter than that. It's going to be like one game and someone's made every single shot, right, or something stupid like that, or like two or three games.
2: No, is it, it was this dude just didn't you know think about it? We've had some really bad. Shooters at the two position. Come on. So
1: like Josh Eustace.
2: No, but... in in. Uh...
1: Terrence Ferguson.
2: No. Corey uh. Brewer. What did you say? What was the last one? Corey Brewer. No, 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 no.
1: Uh, Tavis Eflosha. Uh and Andre Robeson. Boom. Wow, really?
2: Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. That today.
0: He was like... Near, I'd probably have him near the bottom of the list. That's nuts.
1: Wait, that's that's crazy. Let me have a look at this shit. What? Nah, come on. Because he he
0: he he, he played for a good couple of years as well.
1: Pull pull up. I mean, think about it. He didn't shoot.
0: Was that? It's up. Was that in terms of one season or his whole career with the Thunder? That
2: was so career from two point percentage. We'll pull it back up on basketball reference. Wow,
0: that's that's incredible. He's
1: sixty percent on two pointers for his career.
2: That's mad. Isn't that nuts? (laughs) Yeah. I love
1: those stats, dude. Oh man, this is just making me sad again because I'm looking at Rose's 2017-18 season of like he's just, like mm-hmm. 56% effective field goal percentage while he was playing like defensive player of the year de- defense.
2: And we would uh, I mean, have been. We would have been there.
1: 1% from the line, but shit. I mean, bro, he was so good.
0: Well, that's that's this week's fundamental trivia. Did you only do three?
1: I did three. Yeah, that's yeah, I need
0: to do cool. More. No. no, no, I, I, I have three. No, uh, Janelle, well done. I expected you to win anyway, so I'm not, I'm not that, <laughs> in, I'm not that impressed.
2: <laughs> I like but. how Tom was just throwing out. He was just like Kenny Hustle,
0: <clears throat> Raymond Felton. <clears throat> it was the only way I would have got one right. <laughs> but um, no, Janelle remains undefeated. Next week we'll have him doing the questions. So we can have a new winner.
2: That way he but, can't win.
0: Yeah, it's a bit boring yeah. now, isn't it?
2: We'll just do that every every time
0: out. <laughs> but no, that that's going to be all for this week. We've I feel like we've been on here for like two hours, I, even though I don't think it is. I don't even know what time we came on. Now it's been one of those we we spoke about a lot. Been a very oh, good pod. Been. But um, congratulations, Brandon! You're still alive, um, <laughs> just about anyway. Without his dog ripping his hand off
2: that girl i had to put her outside uh go check out janelle's uh,
0: latest article well i mean he drops an
2: article a day it seems like but did he did one for a preview tonight for uh wolves thunder so go give that a look over at welcome to loud city
1: get those clicks up
0: he's, he's a nice guy that like brandon is not you know
1: i know man he's just done me like a proper i wasn't expecting it. thank you brandon i mean i wasn't expecting the plug or anything but shit i'll take it thank you that's why we're here guys
0: says so like I said to you for coming I mean, put it in the brandon bloody group
1: Dales. go check out all the brandon dale stuff because he's writing over at thunder's intentions and he's doing actually fantastic work like i read brandon stuff like quite a lot and it's always very very good
2: thank you i need to do something here as of late it's been it's been too long but pretty soon i'll be my attention will be going to a division 2 school in oklahoma and not as much thunder stuff so I'm getting ready for that, so that is what I'll be doing.
0: I've uh, I've, I've, I've got nothing to plug, so I think, <laughs> that, I, I think that's just the the perfect time to end this week's podcast. But yeah, feel free to go check out their stuff, and I'll just carry on sitting in the corner. And... Check
2: out OKC UK. <laughs> I'll plug your stuff.
0: There's nothing to plug apart from his podcast, which people are already listening to, but I appreciate that. But on that note, because I am now depressed that I've got nothing to plug and you two guys are showing me up now, (laughs) I am going to end that podcast there and just remember to thunder up.
2: Thunder up.